It started already. <laughs> that was really quick. All right, it started. We're live. Well, Jacqueline Carter, welcome to Let's Go Live and happy and succeeding in the future of work. And our special guest today, I'm, I was really excited to speak with her because she's a trendsetter. She was talking about all these issues before they became popular, but I will let her tell about it. So what we'll do is okay with you, Jack, tell about your company, what you do, and, and basically how you're helping people in difficult, challenging times. Well, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jack. It's just great to be here and love, love what you guys are doing and getting the message Thanks. out. So I'm a partner with Potential Project. Potential Project is a global organization. We're in 28 countries. And our purpose is to create a more human world of work by helping individuals, teams, and leaders harness the full potential of their mind. And essentially what we do is we love to be able to bring our humanness, the best of ourselves to the table, and also help us to be able to recognize that sometimes as human beings, we have ways of operating that isn't necessarily in line with helping us to be able to, to be the best version of ourselves. And so by diving into understanding and managing the mind, we can not only help ourselves to be able to look at some of those habits and how we want to overcome them, but also be able to help ourselves to be able to enhance our performance, to be able to be more resilient, to be more innovative, and ultimately in these challenging times, to be the best colleague, the best leader, the best team member that we can be. So now how does that happen? Because those are all kind of great goals to strive for. Yeah. Is it the responsibility of leadership, middle mm. management, or do employees have to kind of say, raise their hand and say, hey, this is what I want. How does, how does this work? So a lot of our programs are brought in by either business unit leaders that want to really look at being able to support, you know, change, which is such a constant theme right now. Um, HR leaders, uh, chief learning officers that look at how they want to guide their leaders towards being able to be supportive of, of their employees. Um, but at the same time, it is something that for all of us as individuals, we can all benefit from being able to better understand and managing our mind. And, and so, so it really is something that we look at as being for all levels. So, what, so a company might say, hey, maybe where we're involved with this great resignation, where we're seeing a lot of people leaving the company. Yeah. Um, it's a war for talent. It's hard to attract and bring people aboard. What are, maybe we're not doing things right. And then they would reach out to your organization and say, hey, Jacqueline, can you just take a look and see what are we doing? What are we doing right? What do we need to improve? What are we doing wrong? Is that how it plays out? Yeah, exactly. So we have um, so we have a consulting arm that we look mm -hmm. at being able to, and a lot of the work right now, pretty much every organization that we work with are asking themselves questions about what are our values? What kinds of leaders do we want to develop? Um, and what is a priority for us in terms of leadership development to be able to support creating the kind of culture, the kind of teams? Um, that are really going to help us lead for the future. So we do a lot of work in terms of leadership design, but then we also deliver programs. And those programs can be for leaders, um, but they also can be for teams and really helping to be able to. And we, we have a, a whole research arm that, uh, that helps us to be able to assess everything so that we can make sure that we're actually moving the needle in terms of looking at a return on investment. 
Um, but typically, the focus for us is really on recognizing that changing our habits, changing our behaviors is a journey. It's not a one-time fix. So although it would be great to think that we could all listen to this podcast and be transformed as human beings. It's not that easy. It doesn't work that way. It's not that easy, too bad. Um, so we really look at taking people on a journey. And a lot of the work that we're seeing now as we start to see, you know, fingers crossed that the worst of the pandemic is, is behind us. We're looking at having deeply immersive transformational journeys. So bringing teams, you know, three-day intensives where, and I know this may sound radical, where we actually invite them to let go of all their technology, digitally detox, and really be present with each other, present with themselves, and really start to challenge old ways of working because it is a new world. It is a new environment. We need to be able to, we can't and sadly go back to the old ways pre-pandemic so many things have changed. And I think for now, not only as individuals, but as leaders, we need to step up and say, this is a new game and we need, we need new operating systems. And that's really the work that we do to be able to help people starting with their mind. So what are some of the things that you see when you go into a company? Are yeah. they, and you don't have to name any name, but like yeah. you go into something and you say, oh my gosh, what are you doing? This is terrible. Or, or do you go in and say, hey, well, here's, here's, wow, they're doing everything right. And maybe I want to use this to share with other companies how, how they could do better? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I think what a lot of companies do well is, is good intentions. I think one of the things is that, you know, it is really amazing how many organizations over the last, um, the last two years have really stepped up in terms of putting a priority on caring for their people. And that to us is, I mean, that's always from our perspective, which, which should be like, we, we should always have people-centric people at the center of our strategy because it is people at the end of the day that are meeting our customers, that are designing our products, that are delivering our tools. So, so I think that the really strong shift in terms of focusing on people and focusing on well-being is something that is so important. I think the challenge that we see with a lot of companies is they don't know, well, how do I still get results done? Like, how do I still drive the business? And at the same time, deal with, you know, caring for my people and making sure they feel engaged. And this is really a lot of the work that we focus on what we call both and leadership. It's how to be both able to drive results to create agility, to be able to, to see, you know, see around corners that all of us as leaders need to do. And at the same time, make sure that our people feel connected, that they feel a sense of belonging, that they, that they have um, uh, barriers and, and boundaries around their priorities so they don't feel overwhelmed on a day-to-day basis. And so I think in, in answer to your question, I think what we see is a lot of leaders with really, really good intentions, but when it comes down to you know, individual for themselves sometimes and as well as for their teams, they're overwhelmed. They've got too much on. There's too many things that they think are top priorities. And it's difficult to be able to maintain focus and maintain effectiveness. One of the things here in the States, and I'm sure I'm not sure how much is going in Europe and other parts of the world, we're starting to now, once again, because they tried a few times, go back to the office. Yes. And after two years of being remote, how what do you think is going to happen? And then for people who want to stay remote or hybrid. Does that create another issue where kind of out of sight, out of mind, like a second class citizen, proximity bias? Is that something you're concerned about that once it reopens, which is positive? Yes. There's kind of, there could be some negative challenges and then you could have perhaps more attrition because they feel like, hey, I'm at home. Everyone forgot about me. Yeah. I'll just find another job. Yeah. How do you see these things playing out? Yeah. First of all, I think that 
it is going to be challenging for the next two years, but we will get beyond this and this will normalize. Being able to have very flexible hybrid solutions, we will get through this, it will normalize. But I think that you're absolutely right. And that is what we're seeing is that based on actually our research, we found that when we, when we have remote workers, we do see a significant drop in belonging, which makes sense, right? I'm not in the office. I don't feel seen and heard. I don't feel as connected. So my sense of belonging does go down, which is a real problem because we know that belonging is one of those things that enable us to be able to, to step up to the next challenge, to be willing to take the next um, priority or the next change. So it is definitely something that is challenging for organizations. And at the same time, we see that, you know, people want flexibility. Um, you know, people have, have found that they're still able to be successful and drive, you know, good results. Um, and they want to maintain that level of flexibility. And so it really has to be a creative solution. And the challenges, of course, it depends on the role. It depends on the team um, that, you know, there really does have to be a lot of opportunity to be able to, to flex, to be able to support the flexibility and at the same time deal with the equity, the equity issues that you're talking about in terms of proximity bias or if I never go in the office, am I never going to be able to get that, you know, new job, that next promotion. What we see as being the priority for leaders is to really focus on connection and really double down on creating a sense of how do we know that our people are really, how are they doing really? And to really create time and space for people to be able to be present with each other, whether they're in the office or whether they're remote and in dynamics where you've got some people in the office and some people not. And so connection, connection, connection has to be the mantra for leaders and teams to be able to create successful hybrid work relationships. Now, so does it go from the top down where senior management would have to train people? Because this is new, you know, from what I hear, and I'm not an expert at this, you know, people who say, hey, the remote work during the pandemic is different than kind of a remote first type of environment. So do you have to, do you find that that leadership from the top up has to down, has to say, okay, here's what you have to do. Here's how you have to manage. And then also do employees need to kind of maybe be their own advocate yes. and step up and say, hey, I, I'm here. I, I, you know, I want more responsibilities. I want a promotion. I want this. How, you know, how does this all play out? I think that, um, I think in answer to your question, I mean, it's certainly um, leaders we know have a long shadow. Uh, so the messages that leaders send either intentionally or unintentionally trickle down to the rest of the organization. And it determines, you know, what people say, what works around here or how to be successful, or if I want to be a leader, this is how I should behave. So in answer to your question, definitely leaders that are intentional about saying, what kind of culture do we want to create in this new hybrid reality? How do we create that sense of connection and care? And at the same time, make sure that as an organization, we're able to be successful in terms of getting things done. So yes, it does need to, in our view, does need to start with leaders and does need to start from the top. And it is also, it's trainable. Like we can train ourselves to be able to be more compassionate, to be able to, to pick up on more cues, to be able to be more sensitive to what's going on in the environment, and to be able to then use that as an opportunity to then be able to make sure that we can have tough conversations um, that enable us to be able to move to the next level. So all of that is true. And at the same time, you know, I think that it is 
you know, an opportunity for employees to step up. And, and we know right now, as you said, that, you know, the war on talent, uh, talent wins. So top talent can work for any company in the world from their living room. Um, but I think it is wonderful for employees to speak up and say, you know, this is what we, we want. This is what we need. This is what I need to be able to make sure that I can be successful in terms of the flexibility that I need and still wanting to feel a connection and, and, a, and a part of the team. Do you, do you notice, and I don't, if you're uncomfortable kind of naming names, but are there yeah. any companies or people or leaders or CEOs or chief, you know, people officers that you could point to and say, wow, they really have it done. They're doing everything right. And if you could kind of mimic what they're doing, you yeah. know, this could kind of help. Yeah, I wish I could say, um, I, I can certainly speak to, um, and I won't name names because I wouldn't want to call one company out. And totally, that's why I gave the preference. I don't want to put you in the spot. You yeah, make up a name. But, you make up a name that let in a company, like you know. Well, I, I mean, I could just say, you know, yeah. um, you know, a number of the organizations that we partner with, and we really feel quite privileged. I mean, Accenture being one, you know, for the last many years, one of their things has been to really support a truly human leadership, a truly human organization, and we've had the privilege of being able to partner with them for the last six years, and. I don't know that they would say that they're getting it all right because, you know, with, 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 you know, with like 400 plus thousand employees around the world, there's certainly going to be one that says, I don't think you got it right for yeah. me. Um, but I think directionally, when we see organizations, um, you know, we also have the privilege of being able to work with Disney and they are also, you know, extremely passionate about putting their people at the center of their strategy and how can they create that more human world of work and, and, and many other organizations, I don't know that there is any one or if any one organization were to say to us, we got it right, we're done. I would say, yeah, you're probably going to call tomorrow. Um, you know, so I think I think that's the idea is that it's a journey. And and, you know, what we're seeing and in, in unfortunately is that no matter what business you're in, you're in for a constant, uh, you know, an ongoing ride of constant change. And I think that what, what we're really seeing with many companies is that many people are wanting to say, okay, can we now have stability? You know, can things kind of go back to a sense of not constant change? And of course, that's not what the market is expecting and, and demanding because the transformation journey continues. So it's really around how to, as leaders and as organizations, to continue to support our people in this environment of constant change. It does. It is rough probably for both parties, right? Because like, let's take what's happening now. You know, uh, here in the US, you know, every channel you hear about Ukraine and Russia, yeah. they, you know, yeah. you know, what does that mean? So if yeah. let's say I was running a company, I might say, and I hope people listening don't, don't get mad at me, but say, hey, maybe we, we put a you know, tap on the brakes in terms of hiring until we know what's going on. I, yeah. you know, I could see that happening. And then for people, you know, for workers saying, hey, what do I do? Is this bad? Yeah. Do you think I'm going to get fired? Because the wounds of, you know, the pandemic is still like fresh. You're like, oh my gosh, is this going to happen to me again? I'm going to lose my yeah. job again. Yeah. So like, I guess what you're saying is it's going to be constant. And how, but how do you deal with that? How do you, for leaders and people, like how do you kind of just get used to constant change without getting burnt out and stressed yeah. and anxiety ridden? Yeah, and that's and that's really you know what um, you know we just as as you know we just published a book on compassionate leadership how to do hard things in a human way, and it's really around for us it's it's going into these kinds of challenges going into these fears and anxieties going in 
um, to you know the difficult business decisions that that many leaders need to make right now. Do I how do how do I deal with supply chain issues that so many companies are still dealing with? How do I how do I make decisions around you know shifting different priorities in the business and the impact that that's going to have on a team that's been working their heart out on a project that is no longer relevant in the market? So for us, it's really about recognizing that it's hard. I mean, things that negatively impact human beings um, are hard and they create, and things that are fearful for us in terms of things that might impact us are also hard because of the anxiety that it creates. So how can we look at those hard things and not back away from them, not get sucked into them and not get overwhelmed, but really to be able to recognize that those hard things are our reality, change is hard, and then to be able to look at how do we do them in the most human way possible. And in the most human way possible, it is about opening the dialogue. It is about being present with each other to make sure that we're seeing each other. Like I see you and I am here. I'm going to listen to your concerns and I really want to be, be present with you. Having the courage to be able to step into difficult conversations because it takes courage. Um, and then being very direct and candid about it. And also about being transparent, being able to say, you know, I don't have all the answers and I, and I wanna learn and I wanna be on this journey together. So, so those are just some of the things that we're seeing as being really critical in work environments today. So, so in your book and your practice, part of it is to kind of reach out to people to kind yeah. of gauge their temperature and ask, how, you know, Jacqueline, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you okay? Yeah. Are you stressed? Yeah. Are you burnt yeah. out? Are you overloaded with too much work? And then actually, and this is a crazy concept, actually listen to the answer. Exactly. Not you know, Don't pick up your phone or, yeah. or do something else or take a call, but actually yeah. listen to what they're saying. And then I imagine take action on it. And then, yeah. and then, and then I'd, I would imagine that's great for keeping people at the company because then they're like, hey, they hear me. They're listening to me. Not only listening to me, they're taking action. You know, I said, hey, you know, I'm a, let's say a single parent and I have to drop my child off in school and pick them up. And they say, okay, I hear you. Let's rearrange your schedule. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be like the most loyal person ever because you heard my challenge and, and you did something about it. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do everything in my power to, to make you proud that you made the right decision. So is exactly. that kind of. Exactly. And that is really, it is, that is the basis. And, and I think that, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, caring presence is, is the kind of the first step that we talk about in terms of being able to be on a journey of creating more compassion in, in your organization and in your leadership. And, and the, the reality is that we know from a neurological perspective, we are incredibly distracted beings. I mean, <laughs> you and I are having this lovely conversation, but I might be thinking about what I want to say yeah. next, or, yeah. you know, you might be thinking about, oh, you know, I want to answer, ask this question. <laughs> and when we do that, we're not in this moment, right? We're now it's, we're distracted. Now we could also be distracted about what do I have for lunch or what, you know, all of those other things that are just natural for us to be distracted about. And so one of the key kind of starting points with all of this, and it's exactly, as you said, how do we really show up for our people in a way that they feel seen and heard. And to be able to do that, we need to manage that mental clutter. We need to clear out all of those distractions so we really can be truly present so that we can, because people know when you're not there, they may not say anything, <laughs> but they know, yeah. they know you're not yeah. really truly yeah. here with me. And when they feel the difference, when they feel that you are really there, when they feel heard, when they feel seen, even if let's say in that scenario that you gave around the single parent, that needs a little bit of flexibility, even if they didn't necessarily get exactly what they wanted, 
the fact that you took the time to be able to hear them and see them and work with them is huge in our environment. And, and that is really what people are looking for. So it's the starting point is really that ability to bring that, that intention of care, but with that ability to be fully present. Now you have the stereotype of the CEO and the executive that's kind of just out for him or herself. Yeah. And I mean, is that, is that in your experience, because you network, you deal with these folks all the time, is that the case or not so much, or maybe they're a little misunderstood or maybe they just need a little guidance or perhaps, you know, if you've been in the workforce 30, 40 years, you have this, yeah. you know, old school mindset and it's tough to change to this yeah. new, you know, post-ish pandemic environment. Yeah. I mean, what do you see? Yeah, what we see is a couple of things. And it's really quite interesting what we see from a data perspective. Let's start there. From a data perspective, we see that leaders, as they rise up in the ranks of leadership, they are perceived by their followers as being less compassionate. All the way up to like C-suite executives, when they're rated by their followers, they may see themselves as being very compassionate. And most of them do, just so you know, most leaders are not, most leaders care about yeah. their people, is our experience, so most leaders are not sociopaths. But what we find is that the perception of their followers, when you start as a team lead, you'll be seen as being much more compassionate than when you're seen as the CEO. And there's two reasons for that. The first one is because, of course, as a team lead, you know, it's much easier for you to say, hey, Jack, let's work together. You know, we're, there's, there's the proximity. I know a lot more about what you're doing and the decisions that are making aren't as big. You know, the, maybe the worst thing that I might do is give you feedback that you didn't like. As you start to rise up in the ranks of leadership, of course, you're making decisions that are, you're, you're more removed from people that are, you're making decisions that are impacting and the decisions that you're making are big and, and often complicated and not always well understood. So it makes sense that senior leaders would be perceived as being less compassionate than team leads. The reality though is, is that in today's environment, back to what you were saying earlier about people have choice, people are expecting their leaders to care. This is the new normal in 2022. I'm expecting to be safe at work and I'm expecting my leaders to care about me. And that is the game changer in terms of old habits. It used to be that, you know, people would say, you know, you're lucky to have a job. Now it's like, no, you're lucky to have me as a worker. And I'm expecting that you care about me because I have other options. And so I think what we're saying is that the game changer is for those, maybe you say old school executives yeah. and leaders that were trained in a different way of leading, that the opportunity for them is to train themselves to be able to leverage their natural care, which we believe their intention is there, but how to actually do that, how to manifest that in their day-to-day -day leadership. And that's not easy because that's about changing habits, but it is possible starting with that ground, that, that, that starting point of being intentional about being more compassionate in leadership. Now, what would happen? I hope this doesn't happen, but it's a hot job market. The yeah. you know, economy, put aside the last few weeks where the stock market's taken a bit of a hit and yeah. you know, worried about potential war in East Europe. But if something goes wrong, another black swan event, yeah. do you think all the progress we made during the pandemic in terms of all the employee centric, all these great free college tuition, remote yeah. work, digital net, yeah. being digital nomads, hybrid, do you think that'll go back? Or once, even if the economy goes south, Mm. it's still hard to get the genie back in the bottle. What, what do you think might happen? Yeah, That's what I worry about. Like it's all yeah. these great gains and yeah. then they pull the rug out from under. Yeah. Say, oh. yeah. I, 
I suppose anything's possible because yeah. I mean, there's so many things that we can't predict. I, I don't think so. I think that the next generation is, is simply, they, they will continue. Of course, you know, they might stay in a company if there's, you know, if the economy crashes and you have fewer choices in terms of job opportunities. Um, but I think that the next generation is really leading the way in terms of demanding that organizations are more compassionate, are more caring, and create the conditions where not only can I be successful and contribute and do the things that are going to make me feel like I'm making a difference, but at the same time, I also feel connected and that sense of belonging and, you know, and, and, and inclusive environments, as we know, are so important, not only in terms of what people are expecting, but also because they, they enable us to be more creative. They enable us to be able to have better ability to be able to deal with some of the challenges. So I don't, I, I, I think, I think that, uh, you know, I think that things can definitely have hiccups, but I don't think there's any going back. Well, what you, I definitely see that particularly my kids are Gen Z's and you can see there's such a difference, yes. you know, where they want to go to a company that they share the same social values, exactly. the same principles, the same causes, but can that also backfire a little bit where then you could have, you know, the company espouses one, you know, set of you know, social values and a group doesn't agree with it and then just knocking heads. Do you, do you see that go on in some companies? Absolutely. And I think that that, you know, the polarization that we see within our society, of course, then manifests in the day-to-day work operations of teams. And, And it's a really challenging thing right now. I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of organizations are looking at you know, in terms of, you know, what they, what they stand for, as you say, that the, the next generation is expecting you to stand up for things that you value and make your values clear. Um, but at the same time, that can create divisions in the workplace that are, that are unhelpful and unnecessary. Um, we don't all have to have the same politics to be able to be successful in a team. And in fact, having diversity, um, you know, in terms of different views is actually a way to be able to be more integrated in terms of society and also to be able to, as an organization, meet broader segments of the society and be able to be more diverse. So it's challenging. Um, but I think that I think that what's important and one of the things that we do in our programs is talk about the importance of curiosity. And as even with these social issues that people can be so, you know, black and white about, there's, there's, there's actually, there's always opportunities to be curious. Like, why do you think that way? And how can we still make sure that from an organizational perspective, can we still be curious about the different views that we have and still also make sure that we can come together and rally around the purpose of our organization and be able to still, you know, do good things in the world. Um, so it's challenging, but it is possible. And this is this is a dumb question, but what's what? Because you know, doing homework in this whole space, what's really the difference between empathy and compassion? Because mm-hmm. people put that in sympathy. People put lump them together. Yeah, but they're different, right? They're different. They are very different. Um, and I don't want to get into linguistics. Okay. Somebody might be out there saying, "Oh no, they're the same thing." <laughs> um, but we work, as I said, uh, you know, we have a team of, of researchers and and uh, and looking at it from a neurological perspective. And what specifically uh, the researchers say is that when we experience empathy, 
we actually activate the part of our brain that is enabling us to emotionally connect with another human being, which is incredibly important. But like looking at you, I can say, okay, Jack, you, you seem like you're in a good mood today. And if you were not in a good mood, I have the ability neurologically to be able to connect with you as a human being and say, oh, you seem like you're you know, a little bit stressed or something's not working for you. That is what we define as empathy. It is incredibly important, but it is different than what we define as compassion. When we take empathy and we turn it into something that we can actually do something about. So when we take empathy plus the intention to be of benefit, which is how we define compassion, that is actually quite different. So instead of me just saying, oh, Jack, you know, you look like you're having a rough day. When I say, what can I do about it? It activates a different part of our brain. It goes into our prefrontal cortex and we can start to look at our executive functioning capability to be able to make decisions that take away from the emotional, the emotional ties that empathy, empathy, because empathy does actually have some downsides. You know, if I see you as, you know, being depressed, I might get depressed <laughs> or, you know, empathy is actually, we don't, we empathize more with people that look like us than people that don't look at, like us. So there's all kinds of downsides of empathy. Not that it's not a good thing, but it should be a spark of empathy that enables us then to be able to move into that ability to say from a compassionate perspective, how can I be a benefit? And sometimes how I can be a benefit is to do nothing at all. Like maybe I just need to let you work things out. So, so it's not all, so non-action can be a form of action, but it's being able to look at it from that rational perspective of being able to also look at it from a big picture perspective as a leader, you know, you may be having a bad day, Jack, but I got to look at what's in the best interest right. of the team and the organization. So that's really very, very, very yeah. different experiences and very different understanding. You know, it's interesting because as you're talking, one of the pieces that struck out, this happens with me and my daughter all the time, where something will happen and she'll kind of vent and go on a tirade. And yeah. being the dad, I want to kind of give, oh, well, here's what you do, blah, blah, blah. And then you realize, all right, she's not lucky. She just wants to, she just wants to get on her chest. And I'm kind of trying, I don't, so I don't know what you call that empathy, compassion. I don't know where that fits in, but as you're talking about like, yeah, I, I, I just need to then learn to give some room to say, okay, she's really not looking for me to be the dad and say, okay, do this, do that, do that. She just wants someone to, to be a sounding board and just get it off her chest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that gets back to why this is both trainable yeah. and also it, it, it actually it, it's it is logical like it's so it enables because right, it annoys her when i do that so it's yeah, like, exactly. helping it's yeah it, it because bad because then she gets frustrated because like yeah. don't you understand no you don't get what i'm trying to do and it makes it worse so you're right so like you do need training to say okay so i kind of train myself like oh you're doing it again step yeah. back just yeah. listen, just yeah. you know, hear her out. Well, exactly. And and really to be able to, because the other aspect is in any dynamic, of yeah. course, you know, we bring our own emotion to this, you know, table, which could be, you know, frustrated that she's saying the same thing that she's always said before. Why hasn't she figured it out? If I, why didn't she just do what I told her to do last? You know, so so to be yeah. able to pause in the moment yeah. and take a breath, be able to allow ourselves to be able to have a more spacious and open mind. And then to be able to ask the question either, you know, in our heads or to be able to ask the question in the dynamic to say, is there something I can do to help you right now? I don't want to jump into solution mode because I don't know if that's helpful, but is it, do you want me to just listen? Would that be the most helpful thing? Or, you know, I have some ideas, but I, what would be most helpful? And by asking that question, as opposed to jumping in and just action or, you know, talking, 
it, it creates also an opportunity neurologically for the other person to be able to, first of all, recognize, okay, you care and you want to be of help. And I get to participate in how you're going to be helpful because I might say, you know, for her, it might be, dad, I just want you to listen. I don't want solutions. And it enables us to be able to build those relationships and those connections that are so critical for us. In, in life and in work. See, in work, I could see how important that is because you have a manager and, and you have this kind of a related scenario instead of just getting that awkward to say exactly what you were saying. Hey, do you want me to listen? Do you want me to give advice? What would you like me to do? Exactly. But it doesn't come easy. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's almost, yeah, you know, you need to kind of rewire how you respond. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and I think the, the, the good thing is, and one of the things that we do in our program is that what we find, though, is that when you're able to do it once, it is the reaction can be so positive yeah. because people it, it takes them, you know, it enables the other person to pause and say, well, what can you do to help? That's a really good question. And they might say nothing or they might say this is what would be helpful. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have a whole new dynamic, right? All of a sudden things change in terms of our ability to be able to work together and be able to be more articulate about what's going to be helpful in this moment as we're dealing with really difficult issues. So it really does open up a whole new conversation. It's, it's, are these some of the things, uh, among others, that you train people to do to just kind of, do you do role play with, how does that work? Is that, yeah, you know, we, you go through we, scenarios and they, they walk through, it through? We absolutely do. So we go through scenarios all of our programs are very experiential because these are the kinds of things that, you know, although we can give tips and, and we do, we have a lot of tips like the one that I just shared about, you know, stopping in the moment and saying, how can I be a benefit? But to really be able to help us to make these changes in our habits, these, you know, deeply ingrained ways of working that we have that aren't necessarily helpful for us anymore. We really need to be able to do role plays and scenarios and experiences because that's when we really get those, not only the aha moments, but when our brain can create new pathways to be able to say, okay, I'm gonna start now, not going the way that I've always done, but starting to take new roads. And because of neuroplasticity, our brains are plastic. We can train ourselves to be able to show up in different ways in our day-to-day -day leadership. And that's really the goal that we see as being what's so powerful. That's great. Let me, in terms of your organization, yeah. if, if people who are watching this now and then watch it when we kind of uh, upload it on, on different social media platforms, they wanted to get involved. Is that possible? Yeah. Like, how does your organization work? Do you, do, you, do you hire people? Do you have volunteers? Yeah. Do you have people say, hey, I love this mission? Or if they want to get a hold of you and say, hey, we need help in my company, yeah. what would you, how, how would people get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of different ways. Uh, first of all, we, we are hiring. So, uh, so you can reach out to us. Our website is potentialproject.com. Um, but I think the other thing that we love is we, we really see this as being a larger movement, bringing more compassion into organizations, creating a more human world of work is something where we see this as being a, like your question earlier when you said, is there any risk of going back? If there's enough of us that are on board with this in terms of committed to be able to create a more human world of work, then, then we are very confident that we won't be going back. And so one of the things that we love to be able to do is definitely we love to be working with our clients to be able to support them in the journey of creating more human world of work internally. But we also love to be able to, we have a number of facilitators that do this work globally for us. So that's another way to be able to get involved, but also just 
ecosystem partners, other people that are passionate about this and, and want to be part of a larger journey in terms of sharing research, sharing ideas, sharing tips, sharing tools, really being able to create a community to be able to support us in this journey together. So lots of different ways to be involved. Do you have an app or somewhere if let's say someone's not a client of yours, but just want to kind of learn from everything you've been doing? Is there yes. So we have, uh, well, on our, first of all, on our, on our website, uh, we have a lot of our research uh, that's freely available so that people can dive into some of these aspects of understanding the mind um, and creating a more human world of work. Uh, we do have an app. It is actually only for our clients just because everything that we do is very tailored and customized. Um, but then we also do have, you know, a lot of public events uh, for people, they can they can watch those. There's recordings, there's articles on our website so that people can learn more about the work that we do. That's great. I'll, but you know what we'll do is, and when we edit, we'll put on all that information in terms of the jobs opening, all the other kind of good stuff. So so people who are, you know, and I think right now you have your you know fingers on the pulse. It's everybody I talk to. This is this is the thing now. It's everybody, you know, whether management, workers, they're all in the same boat because they both realize, hey. We have to take care of people. We have to treat them well. We have to treat them with dignity and kindness and respect. And if we don't, they're going to leave. Yeah. And not only leave, sometimes worse. What do you think about this? I think sometimes worse than leaving is having someone who's completely disengaged. Yeah. And then they kind of grow toxic. Yeah. Then they kind of, you know, just like anything toxic, it infects everybody around them and it gets worse. So yeah. it's, it's kind of on both sides, realizing in this kind of environment, you have to make, you have to do what, you know, what, makes your people happy and motivated to get up in the morning and work and be productive. And, and it's, that's the thing right now. It, it is the thing. And I think the beautiful thing, and of course, you're such a proponent of this, but we know, I mean, people want that. Like nobody yeah. gets up in the morning and says, <laughs> I want to have a miserable day, hate all my colleagues, hate my life, hate what I'm doing. I mean, nobody does that. Yeah. Everybody is naturally motivated to want to feel like they're doing something that's meaningful, to want to feel valued. And, and I think, and, and to want to be happy. And we know that, you know, genuine happiness does come from feeling purposeful, from feeling like I'm doing something that matters. Sadly, it doesn't come from our paycheck. You know, the research is conclusive about that. It's the social connections that we have. It's feeling a part of something. And so the opportunity for us as leaders, and I think as workers, is to really double down on focusing on how do we create that sense of care and connection, bring more joy into the office, bring more joy, even if it's a virtual office, but really to be able to support us. And it really starts with, you know, we as human beings, it's our natural, we are social beings. We, we want to connect with others and let's really leverage that because it enables us to be happier at work and more productive. Well, that's great. That's awesome. I, I, would, I would end it on that, but I want to ask you anything that I didn't ask that maybe I forgot to bring up or something that you want to bring up because you did share a lot, but just in case yeah. I missed something. Yeah, I, maybe I would just say just uh, the only thing that I would emphasize is, is how it, it, it can seem really hard. I think right now what we're seeing is it's tough to be a leader today. And I know that your podcast looks at all employees, but it is really, really tough to be a leader today. And the thing that I would say is make sure we've talked a lot today about things that you can do for your employees. My message would be make sure you put your own oxygen mask on first. We need, we're not ever going to be able to support our employees, our organization, if we're not getting the sleep that we need, if we're not making sure that we're taking breaks, that we're setting boundaries. And I really feel quite strongly, and this is what we see with all of our clients, we need radical self-care 
uh, for all of us. And then we can be able to, to be the best um, leader, the best team member, the best coworker uh, for our organizations. So, so radical self-care would be yeah, one thing it, that I think is It's important. interesting you brought up because a lot of the CEOs I speak with, when they talk about what they do, they're the common threads, eight hours of sleep or so. Yeah. Yes. And they're very important about that. Yeah. Exercising, eating right. You yeah. know, the kind of core things, just like you're saying, to make yeah. sure to put their air, you know, their oxygen on first to make sure that they're, when they get up in the morning, they have the energy, the strength, the stamina to go through it and be productive and bring their best self to work. So, so yeah, exactly. it's very important that they do that. And you can tell that they really kind of put a lot of effort in doing it. Because the first few times I heard people about the eight hours sleep, I'm like, huh, because I don't. But not on yeah. purpose. I got a cat who wakes me up to feed in the morning, like four in the morning, and a dog that's older and I have to take care of their, you know, take care of his business at five in the morning. Yeah. So I would like to get eight hours of sleep. I can't. But yeah, they do have that. Like, okay, we know it's almost like they're running a marathon, and yes. they know they have to really prepare and they have to be in shape mentally, emotionally, physically to do it. So that's that's a really good point because I think what happens, people just look at them and go, oh, they're rich and. Yeah. mean it's too easy yeah. to stereotype it's like a bad movie or bad tv okay. show right well, but exactly and that's and, and just to motivate i mean that is one of the things that we really saw in our research is that leaders as they rise up in the ranks they either figure out that they need to have that radical self-care yeah. and that discipline but they do it earlier on in their career because otherwise they burn out yeah and that i think is the real risk that we're seeing now is that Leaders that that and 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 all employees. I mean, we're seeing the rising rates of burnout, and especially like a lot of the great attrition. Of course, it is you know that my company isn't giving me the flexibility, or I don't have. But a lot of it is just people being burnt out. So we need that. We need that radical self care, not only for us taking care of ourselves, but also to bring that into our organizations. Well, this is great, Jack. I, I appreciate you taking the time out because I know you're busy. You have a ton of clients, ton of stuff to do. And thank you. And it's great to share it because I think for a lot of people, they need to hear this. So yes. I, my, my goal, hopefully, one of the goals of this conversation is that people who are watching go, huh, this is, I got to look more about this. Wait, I, you know, maybe I should ask about this. And for leaders to say, huh, this is, hmm, yeah, I got to work on certain things. I got to listen more. I have to maybe give a space between when I, something happens when I react. So I think this is, you, you gave a really good message and you gave such great, valuable, actionable advice to people. So this is fantastic. So I really appreciate you taking time out and this was wonderful. And I'll, I'll, I'll put on, and if there's anything else you want me to share when we update it, so this way they can know how to get in touch with you, to your company, to, to get information. Maybe they want to, you know, you know, send an application. So this way they know where to reach you, okay? Well, thank you so Excellent. much, Jack. And it's just well, been a, a fun conversation. And uh, and I know that, that you're equally passionate about the things that I'm passionate <laughs> yes. about. So thank you. Well, thank thank you. you so much. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye.